We began a few weeks ago talking on this subject of shaping your tomorrow, so we're going to continue that today. In fact, we've got two more weeks of this. And as we do, let me just remind you a little bit about where we've been. The first week, I talked to you about everything you do in life as a seed, and that that seed produces a harvest, and that instead of us focusing on sin, as believers especially, we need to focus on what are we doing day in and day out in our lives, and whatever it is that we're up to, that it is producing a harvest in our life. The second week, we talked about what were you thinking? How that so often our thought patterns have got us into the wrong place. They've, they've led us down the wrong path. And that if we'll change our thinking, if we'll set our affections on things above, and if we will think on those good things, those things which are of good report, which the Scripture tells us to, then we can begin to realize what God has for our life. The third week we talked about dreams. How that God has given every one of us the ability to dream. And that when God gives you a dream, first of all, that dream is always bigger than what you can do by yourself. You found that to be true? And so that we talked about how that we take those dreams and live those out to truly shape what it is that God's called us to. Last week we talked about relationships. That the people that are the closest to you will determine what's going to happen in your life. And that we need to understand that relationships are vital in our lives and that we need the right kind of relationships and the right kind of people in our lives. Now today, I want you to take your Bibles or whatever you've got the Word of God on. Would you go to the book of Luke, the fourth chapter? And as you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful today for what God is doing at every location of Love and Truth Church. We believe that God is up to something great. We're thankful you're part of it, and we're going to go right into the Word of the Lord together today. The book of Luke, the fourth chapter, is where we're going to be uh, the majority of this morning. I'm going to read one other passage, but the majority of the time is going to be found right there in Luke, the fourth chapter. So let's read that. Luke, the fourth chapter, And the 16th verse, talking about Jesus, it says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his, what's that last word? Custom. Would you say that? Custom. As was his custom, and he stood up to read. Now, here's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk to us about our constant companion. Our constant companion companion now when I say that people say immediately well he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit he's going to talk about the power of God that's in us he's going and all those are true but that's not what I'm talking about here's what I'm talking about here's what are your constant companion in your life day in and day out and it's one word and that word is habits habits how many of you have habits Look at your neighbor. If they did not raise their hand, they are lying in church. <laughs> right? And why, why is it? Listen, the, the, the interesting thing is a, a guy named Charles Duhigg. What a wonderful name. Charles Duhigg is a researcher, and here's what he said. He said over 40% of what we do is by habit. You know, when you got up, I hope you had the habit of brushing your teeth, taking a bath, putting a little deodorant on, a little something, something, you know right? You know, getting dressed. Get, uh, we, we like that habit, by the way. Uh, you know, they're, they're all, it's interesting how when you hear the word habit, we immediately think what? Bad habits, negative habits, things that aren't good. And yet, habits, bad habits are not what we want, 
But everybody has habits. Everybody has some things in their life that, that are habitual in nature. I, I mean, I, I dare say day in and day out, uh, when you go to work, you probably don't think, okay, I'm going to go, you know, you don't, you don't take a, a map at your house in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to take this road and I'm going to turn here and I'm going to make a left turn here. And, no, you just hop in the car, crank it up and go. In fact, most of the time when you got there, if they put a gun to your head and say, what happened on the way here, you wouldn't have a clue. Why? Because you just do it by habit. You, you don't pay attention, uh, you know, especially some of you who haven't had your first cup of coffee. You know, Starbucks has not seen you yet. It, you know, it's, it's, it's that moment. And, and we, we do a lot of things by habit. Now, here's the interesting thing is, our problem is, is that we spend all of our time talking about our bad habits. Now, those bad habits can be as simple as biting your nails. Okay? Or as egregious as, you know, alcohol habits and drug habits and tobacco habits and sleeping around habits and pornographic habits do I need to go on y'all are getting really nervous <laughs> all right now here's the deal the problem is is that we spend all of our time trying to focus on taking care of the bad habits and and the issue is is that when we spend all of our time trying to focus on breaking the bad habits and I think the bad habits need to be gotten out of our lives but the problem is it's like saying to you don't think about pink elephants now, I'm telling you, listen to me, don't think about pink elephants. Well, what are you thinking about? Pink elephants, right? And that's what happens to us as we go, well, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do that, and the book of James says it this way. Let, let's, let's listen to what James says. James, the first chapter, the 13th verse, here's what James says. He said, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. In other words, don't ever blame it on God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But how do I get tempted? Here's what James says. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away. Come on, does that not sound like a habit? He is dragged away and enticed. Now, I want to tell you, habits are enticing, all right? Then, after desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin. See, desire's not wrong. It's what it births that's wrong. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now, that's the process that each of us find with these habits, is that nobody said, I want to be a drug addict. Nobody said, I want to be hooked on whatever. But what happens is, is our desires pull us that way, drag us that way. You, you say, well, I, I, I just don't believe that. Well, let me help you for a minute. How many of you know that you don't have to teach your children to sin? Right? You don't, you don't take them when they're 24 months old, sit them down in a chair and say, now, let me tell you about sinning. Let me tell you how to be selfish. Let me tell you how to hit your sister. Let me tell you how to bite. Let me tell you. Right? I mean, it just, you, nobody has to be instructed in how to, to be selfish. Nobody has to be instructed in how to lie. I mean, have you ever been around little, little kids? People say, kids, won't tell you, kids will tell you the truth. Kids will lie to you. <laughs> Who in the heck told you that? 
Kids will look at you, and there'll be cookies all around their mouth. You say, you've been eating cookies? Mm-mm. <laughs> Lie through their teeth. Now, what we have to understand is, is that that doesn't change as we get older. Our problem is, though, is that we spend so much time on the negative that we forget that if we would work on the positive, the positive will drive out the negative. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. The Word of God tells us that you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's why you need to have the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life is so that it can drive some things out of your life that the enemy's been using against you to keep you in bondage. And so as we look at this, I begin to say, okay, what kind of habits do we need to have and who should we look at to find out what those habits are? And I got to thinking... I don't know of anybody any better than Jesus to look at. So here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Jesus' habits. How about that? And I'm going to ask you to apply those same habits to your life. Would you look in verse 16 of the book of Luke, the fourth chapter? Here's what it says. Speaking of Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his, there's that word, custom or habit and he stood up to read here here's the first habit that i want to talk about that jesus had just just put it down if you're taking notes church attendance now people say well he didn't go to church i understand it's synagogue don't get technical all right I mean, think about this. Jesus has come to this earth. He has robed himself in flesh. The Bible says he is the manifestation of God upon this earth. And yet, from the time of a child, he goes to synagogue. He goes to church. Now, if Jesus needed to go to church, just give it up. Don't come up with 14 reasons why you don't need to go. I mean, until you are perfect, you need to go to church. Until you have it all together in every area of your life. Now, when you reach perfection, quit coming. But until then, you ought to come to church. You say, well, why should I go to church? Well, there's some different reasons. Number one is we ought to go to church to worship God. Amen? I mean, I, don't, I, I come to church, but the main reason I ought to come to church is to worship God. The Bible says that you are to worship God in spirit and in truth. In other words, that your spirit is to be involved, but your mind is to be involved as well. And so when I come to the house of God, it's a time of worship. It's a time of adoration. It, it's, the, the Bible gives us a lot of ways to worship. It says to clap your hands to the Lord. It says to lift your hands to the Lord. I know some of you that's hard. It says to shout to the Lord. I'll give you one that really messed your whole world up. It says to dance. Oh. Wow, we've gone into somewhere we've boldly never gone there before, have we? You know, a, a lot of us have been taught so many things. When you go to church, it's a time of reverence and quietness. I believe there's moments for that, but church ought to be celebration time. Church ought to be we're coming together to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. So we come to church to worship God, number one. Secondly, we come to church to encourage one another. Over 50 times in the New Testament, the Bible talks about one another. 
encourage one another, pray for one another. Uh, it goes on and on and on, telling you what you are to do to one another. Listen, coming to the house of God should not be just about sitting and watching. You ought to be looking. You say, well, I, I, I'm not a greeter. I'm not a hostess. I'm not this. You still ought to be looking for an opportunity to encourage somebody when you go in the house of God. I mean, just say, that's a nice-looking dress to a woman. <laughs> just seeing if you're awake. Uh, you know, I mean, just, just something. Come on, go with me. i, I got to stay focused. See, you, just do something to encourage somebody else when you come into the house of God. But not only do we go to the house of the Lord just to encourage others, we go to the house of the Lord to share in what God has given us. Now, I'm not just talking about your money. I believe in tithe. I, I, I am a firm, firm, convinced believer. Sherry and I have been tithers. Sherry and I will be married 35 years, uh, not long, uh, before long. And, uh, and we, we have been tithers the entire time, and we have been mightily, wonderfully blessed of God because we've done it. I encourage you to be a tither. I encourage you to be a giver above your tithes. I believe in all that, but I'm not talking about that now. What I believe in this, not just my money, but my talents my abilities what is it that god has given you that maybe you're really great at out here but you never sanctify it and bring it to the house of god you, you need to be a person who is willing to say you know what god has given me gifts god has given me talents and i am going to use those in the house of god i wonder what would happen at every love and truth church if everybody would begin to be involved with what god has given them i encourage you Find out what it is that God has blessed you with. Find out what it is. Maybe you're a person who is very hospitable and God's given you a gift of hospitality or a gift of mercy or a gift of wisdom or a gift of leadership. I can go on and on and on. There are over 20 gifts that are listed in Scripture. Find out what it is and say, you know what? I'm going to find, come on, I'm going to find a place in my local church to serve. I'm going to be involved in the house of God. I am going to do what God's called me to do. That's why it's important to go in the house of God. Jesus shows up, and you know what Jesus does? He doesn't sit and let somebody else teach. What does he do? He gets up and teaches. Why? Because he's the master teacher. He used his gifts. Last but not least is we, we go to church, we go to worship time together to hear preaching from God's word. Now, I know you can read the Bible, I understand that, but you need to be in a local church fellowship where week in and week out, a consistent word from God is going forward, where you are being encouraged, where you're being challenged. You know what? Uh, I, I try to be nice, but I am not going to let you just sit and listen to me week after week and not do anything. I have determined, and I have told you this on many occasions, I have a mission in life. I am on a mission from God, me and the Blues Brothers. And here's my mission. To comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So wherever you are on that spectrum, I'm going to be there, all right? It, why? Because I believe God's called you to great things. And so we're going to challenge you. We're going to preach to you. We're going to talk to you. So Jesus had the habit of going to church. The second thing, look in verse 17. Verse 17 talks to us and it says, the scroll, he, and he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The second Jesus habit is the habit of Bible reading. 
say, well, pastor, you know, do I have to read the Bible? No, you get to read the Bible. Now, now I want to talk to you. I believe the Bible reveals to us the character and the nature of God. Now, let me help you. I don't believe, I believe, now let me say this. I believe this Bible, let's see, are there maps in this? Yeah. I believe this Bible from the opening of this Bible where it says presented to William Edward Couples all the way back to the last map. I believe this Bible. But here's what I also believe. I believe some of you have gotten so legalistic about your Bible that you have forgot about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the day you get married? I did a wedding yesterday. Can you imagine the day that you get married, they hand you something like this, and they say, memorize this. This is going to be good for your marriage. I'm out. I got to know all that stuff. Come on. I got to know, you know, Every bit of that, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm trying to see how many pages. You know, in this Bible, there's 1,156 pages in here, not counting the maps. I got to know all that. No, this is my guidebook. This helps me to know the Lord. This helps me to know about Him. But this launches me into a relationship with Him. Because this tells me how he operates. This tells me who he is. This tells me how he acts. And then out of that flows my relationship with him. So I need to be reading his word. That's why we challenge you to to daily go on the website, click on that Bible reading plan, and get in that. Not so that it's a legalistic thing, but so out of that flows your relationship with Jesus Christ. So Jesus read the Bible. It was the Old Testament, but he read it. And, and so what we have to understand there is this, is that in all of our lives that the Bible guides us, the Bible guards us, and the Bible helps to grow us. And so day in and day out, I have to live in the Word of God, and then out of that, I come to that place of living in relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, and I'll move on, living for God is the most fun you can have. I want to tell you, I do not believe, and I am so sick of it, I do not believe that living for the devil is better than living for God. Man, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, yeah, all that stuff, will, you know, it'll, it'll put you in prison, it'll put you in the hospital, it'll put you dependent on something, it'll put you in the counselor's office, it'll put you here, but if you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, He'll give you life and it more abundantly. I want to tell you, the devil's lied to you when he's told you everything out there is fun and everything in the kingdom of God is not. That is not the truth, and we need to learn to live the overcoming abundant life that Jesus Christ has for us that's found in his word. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, Jesus again, says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He talks about the anointing in the first part of that. Here's where I'm going to go with this. Uh, A little bit later, uh, excuse me, in another book there, in the book of Luke, the sixth chapter, I want to show you where that anointing came from. Luke 6, 12 says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Now think about that. Jesus says, I need to pray. 
Again, if Jesus needed to go to church, you have no excuse. If Jesus needed to pray, see, the third habit is the habit of prayer. We need to be praying. We, we need to be praying daily. And let me help you. Praying is not religious. I mean, how often do, do we go to church and we hear people, and, and when we're in the foyer with them, they're normal? They speak intelligently. We can understand them. And then they come behind the sacred desk. And they sound like their mouth is filled with marbles. And they start. Lord of, we approacheth thee today, hallelujah, th 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 th. And I want to go, that guy got a speech impediment. I talked to him out in the hall, and he was normal. Now he's in the house, he can't talk right. What's up with that? You know what prayer is? Prayer is conversation with God, just like conversation with your best friend. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Well, go to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Most of us can quote it. And you'll find out how to pray there. And, and I'll give these to you quickly. First of all, you start off by acknowledging God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. All right? And then secondly, you acknowledge your dependence on God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Lord, I'm dependent on you. And then lastly, you acknowledge your gratefulness. Because it goes on to there, talks about uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's how you pray. It's, it's really simple. You don't have to make it religious. You just have to make it relation. Jesus prayed. You and I need to develop the habit of prayer. And then verse 18 and verse 19, I'll read the whole thing. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the, for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The fourth thing we need to do, the habit we need to develop, is the habit of, I just want to refer to this as blessing. Now, if you don't like that spiritual-sounding word, just do it this way, doing good. Doing good. Jesus went about doing good, the Bible says. Healing people, ministering to the poor, loving those who were hurting, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord, which is, is a year of release from all bondages. That's what Jesus did. Now, so many people say, well, you know, I, I don't know how I can go about doing good. Can I, can I just help you with that? Come on, I need somebody to tell me I can help you. All right, thank you. I was going to, but it makes me feel better. All right? Here's the deal. How many of you have ever gone and eaten out at a restaurant? All right, even way, way back up there, I see hands. All right? Here's, here's a way to do good. The next time that you're in a restaurant, bless the waiter or the waitress. Give them, listen, I had a daughter who worked for years in the, in the, as a waitress, 
And, and I, I talked to her about it, and she said, Dad, she said, you know who we hate to see coming in? She said, we hate it when church groups come in. She said, they're the most demanding, and they're the worst tippers ever. Now, let that not be said of Love and True Church. If they ask for 15, why don't you do 20? But they didn't give me the greatest service ever. The Bible says to do good to those who despitefully use you. Wow, I just messed up somebody's world. Well, you know, I only give 10% to Jesus. That's on your gross. Don't use that ridiculous excuse. I'm doing pretty good right now. I'm doing real good right now. What about this? What about the next time you're in a drive-thru? We, we have these little cards that you can give out and invite somebody to church. What about the next time you're in a drive-thru, uh, the person behind you, just, just ask the gal when you get up to the window, the guy, and say, uh, have they already ordered? And they say, yeah. So let me pay for their meal. Well, it cost me $12. You okay? You, you can swing it. I got faith in you. All right? And just hand them one of those cards and say, when they come up, tell them their meal's paid for here. You just went about doing good. See, we're saying, well, you know, if, if the Lord would prompt me to raise somebody up out of their wheelchair, if God would just call on me to open the blinded eyes, why don't you just tip good? Why don't you not shoot the neighbor's dog? <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, the Bible says we're going to pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maybe this is the moment. Pastor, how do I live this out day in and day out? Number one is I'm quickly closing. Number one is make up your mind. Just, just say, you know what? I'm going to begin to have these habits in my life. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. Quit using every excuse not to come to church. Just come to church. Amen. I, I have a whole congregation that watches every week. Would you all come to church? I love you. Come to church. We'd love to have you. Make up your mind. Secondly, begin immediately. When you go out today, don't wait till Thursday to start this stuff. You know, start looking for somebody to be good to today. Start looking for somebody to bless today. So start, just, just go out of your way to do good today. Go out of your way. If you haven't read the Bible yet, get in the Word today. Pray today. All these things, get them into your life. And lastly, renew your passion daily. All right? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, let me explain it. You, you, do you remember, if, like, I don't know, three weeks ago, I guess it was, I talked to you at the end of the sermon about what I called RPMs. Remember that? Here's what RPMs are. Read the Word pray and meditate as you read the word of god and you pray about it, and I, i'm not asking you to pray, you know read the bible for 40 chapters and pray for two hours i told you i'd be happy if everybody would do each of those five minutes if i thought our entire churches were doing that for five minutes i would be ecstatic read the word of god pray what you just read and then meditate on what you just prayed about and what you just read about and as you do that, what begins to happen is, is that you begin to be renewed in the Spirit of God. 
And the Bible says this. It says that God takes us from glory to glory. See, God's always moving you up. God's always taking you to the next level. And as far as I'm concerned, the next level is always higher. That's where God wants you to be. And so what we've got to do, well, pastor, I've got this bad habit and I've got that bad habit and I've got that. I know, quit thinking about the pink elephant. I understand. Start, you know what? If you would make these things a habit in life, you would be surprised at how some of these other things just begin to fall off. Why? Because the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the anointing of God. I mean, listen, I believe that when God shows up, transformation starts happening. And so when I'm in the church house, I'm, I'm waiting. Listen, I, I come in going, okay, what's God going to do today? I don't just show up because I'm supposed to. I show up saying, okay, something's going to happen. When I'm reading the Word of God, I'm saying, okay, what's God saying to me? You know, the Bible says the Word of God is sharp. It's quicker than in and any two-edged sword piercing dividing soul and spirit bone and marrow that it does things down inside of us scripture says it's a it's a discerner of the thought and the intent of your heart so you know what when you're reading the word of god god just goes inside and starts cutting some things out taking some things away and then in prayer you just you're just being bathed in the anointing of the spirit of god you say well what does doing good do for me it just, does, it just does you good. <laughs> but if you need something, I'll give it to you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What you give out comes back, and it comes back in a greater amount than what you gave out. You know what? If we would work on these habits we would become the overcoming, empowered believers that God wants us to be. We would live the abundant John 10, 10 life that Jesus Christ came to give us. We've just got to get the right habits happening in our life so that we can live out the life that Jesus Christ came to give.